The Hub is a community. Manuscript, book, and print cultures. Stamping problems. You are listening to a podcast by the Trinity Long Room Hub Arts and Humanities Research Institute. The Hub is a space celebrating tenure through the community. Created by Carl Sinclair. The Hub is about impact. The Hub is for everyone. Things that we may, we're just about to start. I think some people are still joining, but, uh, but yeah, let them do so. And meanwhile, just start uh, introducing uh, uh, the webinar and uh, our great guests. So first of all, welcome to the uh, sixth Shape ID webinar and first in 2021. And my name is Maciej Marl. I'm uh, the director of Digital Humanities Center at the Institute of Literary Research of the Polish Academy of Sciences. And this uh, webinar is run in, in partnership with the Trinity Long, Long Room Hub uh, Arts and Humanities Research Institute at Trinity College Dublin, which hosts the Shape ID projects, which kind of organizes this uh, series. And Shape ID, just to give you a gist, is, uh, is funded by the European Commission under Horizon 2020 framework, and it basically addresses the challenge of integrating the arts, humanities, and social sciences in interdisciplinary and transdisciplinary uh, research. And project is led by Trinity Long Room Hub and coordinated by Professor Jane Olmeyer with partner from ETH Zurich, Isinova in Rome, University of Edinburgh, our institute in Warsaw, and Dr. Jack Spaven from Amsterdam. Um, so we're now at the last six months of the project and we have already completed literature review survey, six learning case workshops with researchers, funders, policymakers and stakeholders and now working towards the final main project uh, output, which will be a web-based toolkit and is due to be launched in June. And it's basically aimed to provide guidance uh, on better pathways for inter- and transdisciplinary research for researchers, policymakers, funders, universities and societal stakeholders. Uh, but today we're uh, we're focusing on something um, slightly more detailed, which is uh, uh, the framework of cooperation, um, interdisciplinary cooperation, and the lessons that could be learned from uh, digital humanities. So basically in the Shape ID project, we're working um, globally on inter and transdisciplinary engagement in research where uh, arts and humanities and social sciences could play um, an, uh, an important role. And we, we were talking about how to facilitate it. And this of course, uh, kind of brings some spotlight on the work which is already um, done with um, in within the field of digital humanities. You know where uh, uh, basically um, we would like to learn which measures work best to encourage such cooperation and and, uh, and explore uh, the user involvement strategies uh, fostered by um, several um, research infrastructures aimed at disseminating already existing tools, services, methodologies among DH curious, but still largely non-digital scholars. So basically our idea for this webinar is just to learn from, uh, from uh, uh, research infrastructures, how do they do that? So basically how they work to engage uh, scholars in um, uh, researchers, other stakeholders in inter or transdisciplinary and project. So I'm delighted to that we are joined here by three amazing panelists this afternoon and I'm, I'm just uh, I'm also 
are really glad uh, that all could make it as uh, as uh, with all of them i i had the pleasure to cooperate in in different capacities and uh, i'm i'm happy to, uh, to 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 have them here so um i'll just briefly introduce them the full bios you will find on the webinar website. So first of all, we have Daria Fischer, for Associate Professor at the University of Ljubljana and Senior Research Fellow at the Institute of Contemporary History and Department of Knowledge Technologies in the Josef Stefan Institute. So uh, she's the former Vice Executive Director of Clarin Ehring in charge of user involvement and has just been appointed a National Coordinator of uh, Daria in Slovenia. And um, as the researcher and lecturer, she's involved in Integrated Corpus Linguistics Methods and Natural Language Processing with SSH Disciplines. And also Daria was, uh, um, was very involved in, in the Clarion-based series of Twin Talks, which I think she mentioned in her talk, uh, which basically brought together uh, um, uh, um, uh, people from uh, humanities or social sciences disciplines with, uh, with ICT professionals in, uh, to talk about their collaboration. Um, uh, the second panelist is Elisa Papaki, Outreach Communications Officer uh, for Daria EU. Uh, Daria is another uh, research infrastructure represented here after Clarin. Um, and she's, uh, she's also based in the Trinity Long Room Hub. So she completed studies in history, archaeology, and holds the Master of Philosophy in Public History and Cultural Heritage from Trinity College um, Dublin. And she was involved beforehand in, uh, in numerous digital humanities initiatives in Maynooth, in, in Greece, uh, and, and, uh, and, and in European projects like Europeana Cloud, Daria Fish, Nedima, or Europeana Research. And last but not least is uh, Arnold Gingold, uh, who's a member of Opera's uh, research infrastructure um, coordination team. And he's the data, uh, he's the third data officer of Opera's and the project manager of Opera's, which is a gopher implementation network. And, all of those uh, um, those uh, projects will be um, mentioned by him too today, I'm sure. And so he's a dual he has a dual background in linguistics and digital resources management, and joined Opera's in 2016 as technical coordinator for Hermes project. He's based at Open Edition in, in Marseille. So um, so that's for our panelists. Uh, before. Uh, giving floor to them, I would like to welcome our audience. We're very pleased to see uh, um, to see so many participants. So far, 65, and I see that's uh, still counting. So, so I'm happy you're joining us. And I'm just giving brief tour of like housekeeping, and um, so you so you know uh, uh, what. Uh, uh, so uh, what happens uh, next? So first of all, uh, I'm joining the Zoom room by Ship ID project manager, Doreen uh, Wallace, who will take over chairing if anything happens to my connection or myself. Uh, we're also live streaming on Facebook and uh, recording the webinar to share with those who could not be there um, uh, here um, and, and they, can, they can look at uh, our website later. Each of panelists will speak for nine minutes and then we'll open up the discussion to your questions, the questions of, uh, of audience. So you can uh, either submit them then or during the talks using the Q&A button of the bottom of your uh, screen. And I'll go through these questions and pass uh, on as many as we have time for to our panelists. So uh, when asking the questions, important detail, please say who you are and when you're, where you're from. So we, we know, uh, we, we can get uh, to know, um, uh, you uh, better. 
Um, and please don't, uh, I mean, we will share links and references through the chat function and uh, per invite you to introduce yourself and share interesting resources or comments, perhaps, yeah. But please don't ask questions through the chat as we won't be monitoring it for questions. Q&A is a place for questions. Uh, okay, and afterwards we'll share the record of the chat panel with everyone afterwards by email. And uh, last things before we begin, afterwards you'll receive uh, a request to complete a short survey and uh, Please, uh, and then remind it tomorrow, and please do so so we can monitor uh, your interest and, and uh, your feedback. Um, uh, one, um, one just short announcement that next month on 18th March, we'll hold a final webinar on transdisciplinary dialogues, research partnerships for uh, impact, which will basically uh, focus on the perspectives on challenges and benefits of working with societal and industry partners as co-creators in research. So please check it on our website and register. Uh, okay, and I think that's, uh, um, that's, uh, that's it for, for, for the introduction. So um, hello once again, I see that we have already 68 participants. So I think this is a good moment to start. So may I ask Daria to, to, to start with her, um, with her nine minutes talk. The floor is yours. Hello, everyone. Can I just check if you can hear me okay? We do. Okay. Um, thanks a lot for this uh, invitation. I'm very excited about your whole project and about today's uh, discussion that is uh, coming uh, later on. Uh, so uh, without spending too much time on the introductions, I've already been introduced. I'll simply move on to uh, share a few um, mm, uh, project exciting uh, activities uh, and our experience with uh, trying to support uh, interdisciplinary collaboration in Clarin Eric. Uh, before uh, I present the actual activities and projects, I would just like to give a little bit of a background on what Clarin Eric is, just to make sure that everyone understands uh, our field and what we're trying to do. Uh, broadly speaking. So uh, very briefly, Clarin Eric is a research infrastructure uh, that provides easy and sustainable access for scholars in the humanities and social sciences, as well as other disciplines, uh, to digital language data. This data can be uh, available in written, spoken, video, or multimodal form. We are welcoming all of these modalities. In addition to the language data, we are also supporting uh, offering developing advanced tools that helps researchers discover, explore, and annotate the language data wherever the researchers are from. Uh, this used to be less relevant before COVID, but now I think everyone can appreciate that you can access the research infrastructure even from your armchair, from your uh, living room, wherever you live. Um, now, uh, why are we thinking about interdisciplinarity in Clarin, well, our main occupation is uh, dealing with language data. And as you can probably um, appreciate, language has a lot of different roles uh, in our society. So this implies that uh, there's many, many research disciplines that are interested in studying it. For example, language is an important carrier of cultural content. It is a record of the past. It's also a key component of national and cultural identities of ours. So it is relevant for uh, 
researchers in history, cultural heritage, and social science. Uh, language is also the main communication instrument in our societies and the means of our expression. So it is scrutinized by anthropologists, literary scholars, and psychologists. Uh, language is also a carrier of information. So it captivates the attention of researchers in media, journalism, and communication studies. This means that we need to take care of all these different researchers, their different communities, all of which approach research and language data in a different way, you use different uh, research methods. Uh, this is why I'm going to uh, present three ongoing instruments and initiatives that we conceived uh, to encourage and to support for all these different communities to somehow try and bridge any gaps that uh, might exist, that we start uh, engaging with, uh, across communities, discussing the outstanding issues, and maybe even move towards resolving them, offering them a better infrastructure, as well as uh, enabling better, uh, more rewarding research. The first uh, of the initiatives that I want to talk about is a workshop series called Twin Talks. We have realized that there's not a lot of a platform um, to uh, allow researchers working in the interdisciplinary projects uh, to present their work jointly and also uh, to talk to their fellow um, researchers uh, about the problems that they're facing or how they found solutions. So we launched the Twin Talk workshop series in 2019. The first one hap happened in Copenhagen at DH Nordic. Then the next year we went to DH Nordic in Riga, as well as the main DH conference, Ottawa in 2020. But the last two had to be held virtually. Um, the main objective of our workshop is to get a better understanding of the dynamics of the digital humanities workflow, where humanities scholars we, uh, collaborate with uh, digital experts uh, in tandem uh, to solve humanities research questions. But not only do they work together, we also want them to present their projects together. So we invite um, both parties, the entire tandem, uh, to present their achievements and share their experience together at our workshop um, with a hope that uh, all those involved in education of humanity scholars for, of the future, as well as the professional and technical experts, can uh, learn from uh, the current experience and develop better training programs and uh, funding instruments and research questions. Um, now I can move on to uh, the next project uh, that I want to present. We're very proud of the Parliament project, which somehow evolved from two workshops. One was a scientific one called Parla Clarin, when we invited everyone uh, who is developing parliamentary corpora uh, to present their work. Uh, we saw that really a lot of researchers from many countries are compiling parliamentary corpora and they're basically struggling with very similar issues. This is why we had a follow-up development workshop called Parla Format, where we realized that uh, even though people are dealing with basically the same data discussions from the parliaments, um, the results, the 
in the corpora that they're developing are all in very different format, shapes, and uh, form. This is why we tried to, uh, with the workshop called Parla Format, tried to uh, raise awareness of the importance that all these data need to be interoperable, because if we want to do comparative studies, how Poland is dealing with COVID compared to the Netherlands, for example, we cannot do this if the, these research data sets are not built in a comparative interoperable way. And as a sort of a follow-up, we found that the Parliament project, uh, the mission of which is to turn existing contemporary multilingual and diverse cross-national parliamentary data into comparable, interpretable, and highly communicative uh, resources um, that are relevant not just for researchers, but also to NGOs, citizens, journalists, etc. Uh, we currently have um, four such parliamentary corpora all, already developed for Bulgarian, Croatian, Polish, and Slovene. But right now, the project is being extended with 13 additional parliamentary corpora from all over Europe, and they will be released in May. And my final uh, initiative I want to talk about is uh, our uh, series of tutorials and workshops that uh, revolve on, around interview data. Uh, interview data is another set of very similar um, interdisciplinary activities uh, where uh, researchers from a broad range of disciplines are recording interviews so that they can then uh, later analyze them. Um, the problems that they face are very similar, however. It's very cumbersome to collect the interviews and then analyze the recorded interviews. This is why we have started uh, developing a tool chain to process the recordings, um, uh, annotate them, and uh, enable them to be analyzed in more automatic ways in a number of languages. But in order to develop the tool chain in such a way that it is relevant for social scientists, uh, anthropologists, historians, etc., we really wanted uh, researchers with a lot of experience from those disciplines to give us feedback on the tool chain. So we uh, organized several workshops where they could test our tool chains, give feedback, tell us what it is that they need, they find helpful, find useless, uh, so we could modify the tool chain. And ever since, we have also organized quite a lot of tutorials and other educational events where in, we invite young scholars or uh, scholars who are aiming to bridge disciplines uh, to uh, learn how they can use the existing tool chain for a number of languages. Uh, these are not all the initiatives that we're doing, but these are currently the, the three that are really active, really ongoing, and I feel personally passionate about, because we really have uh, already direct impact on several communities. Um, I think I can stop here. If you have any questions later on, I can uh, answer them, and I can also provide the relevant links in the chat as soon as I stop talking. Thank you, thank you so much, Daria. And and, and yeah, the, the links would be very helpful. Um, so just to 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 to, to, to just to, to to point you towards one one issue here is that like research infrastructures are basically uh, meant uh, for users, which is also like this important factor to, to remember. And what what you what you meant to the, to, uh, what you mentioned right now is 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 this factor that's there, kind of trying to 
to learn the, the needs to, to provide uh, something, uh, the suitable services or tools for that. And so now we're moving to the, to the next research infrastructure, which is uh, Daria and Elisa Papaki will, um, will um, tell us a bit more about it. So the floor is yours, Elisa. Yes, uh, thank you very much and uh, for the invitation. Um, so I would like to speak about two things in this brief presentation today. Uh, the first thing is about interdisciplinarity as part of the DH culture and thus of the DH infrastructures and give the example of Daria and its mechanism, uh, mechanisms for in fostering inter and tra transdisciplinary research. Um, so I'm assuming that most of you have some research background, uh, so you must know that um, as a researcher you can't know everything and thus you can't do everything on your own. So collaboration is something that's already happening within uh, disciplinary networks. And for digital humanities, this is even more the case uh, as the hybridity of our methods requires to work together. So very few digital humanists can master entirely on their own, uh, their domain, information and software challenges uh, their approach presents. And so we tend to work together. Um, I'm rendering here a common definition of collaboration uh, in the age coming from a partner's training module um, um, on collaboration in research infrastructures that says that uh, collaboration in the age is coming together of diverse interests uh, and people to achieve a common purpose the interactions, information sharing, and coordination of activities. So if the age must be collaborative, then for sure, uh, so also must be the age infrastructures. Um, just in terms of the term infrastructure, um, imagine that infrastructures differ in terms of scale, for example, from other tools or projects. And because exactly of this larger scale, uh, collaborations are a vital part of infrastructures happening at the intersections of, of different disciplines. So we strongly believe that uh, an infrastructure is richer uh, if it um, uh, corresponds to uh, interdisciplinary uh, research. Um, so you, you've heard the example of Clarin before, you, you hear the example of operas uh, after my presentation. So um, I'm moving on to the example of Daria uh, as a truly interdisciplinary space. Um, Daria is the digital research infrastructure for arts and humanities. Uh, it has been around since 2006 with a preparatory phase um, and it has been established as an ERIC, which is a European Research Infrastructure Consortium uh, since 2014. We love acronyms, so I'm, I'm trying to explain some of them uh, during my uh, talk. Um, so the interdisciplinary culture is reflected uh, starting from the core team itself in Daria, uh, but also within its various organizational bodies. Uh, and I'm going to give two examples, uh, the scientific board, but also uh, what we call JRC, which is the Joint Research uh, Committee. So starting from the core team, uh, we form the DARIA Coordination Office, as we call it, and we oversee the four DARIA pillars. The first one has to do with the technical infrastructure, which is trans uh, translated into the SSH Open Marketplace. The second one has to do with uh, policy work on open science. The third one has to do with working groups, which I will be talking a bit more. And the fourth one on training education. So in order to correspond to these four pillars, our core team is already interdisciplinary uh, to, uh, to be able to function and support um, these research uh, strategies. Um, 
Moving on to our scientific board, um, our aim uh, here is to recruit people that are of diverse disciplines because we feel that this will make of a richer um, scientific board body. So we uh, try to recruit people from arts, from more technological or industry background, um, but also from traditional humanities. So we, we do believe that having a team that is interdisciplinary on its own can further support also uh, the research communities um, that Daria serves. Um, the example of JRC, um, we in Daria have four VCCs, as we call them, which are more like expert hubs, um, overseen by um, chairs, uh, which form this joint research committee. Um, so the first one has to do with e-infrastructure. Uh, the second one has to do with research and navigation. Uh, the third one has to do with uh, scholarly content management, which is um, dealing with the various stages of scholarly content lifecycle, uh, from creation, curation, and dissemination, uh, through to uh, the pooling of scholarly digital resources and results uh, for reuse. And the fourth one has to do with advocacy, impact, and outreach, so more like uh, policy work. So the experts overseeing uh, these um, four expert hubs, these four pillars, um, are also uh, part of the various um, tasks within DARIA from helping and advising in terms of uh, organizing our annual events, uh, to advising in terms of our DARIA funding calls uh, that we have every uh, couple of years, um, but also overseeing that the research that we're doing uh, doesn't have any gaps or identifying these gaps so that we can uh, better support, again, the research communities. So we're moving along these, uh, for these areas uh, because we feel that uh, this is the best way to kind of support inter interdisciplinary research and uh, correspond to our user needs. And also one of the tasks that these um, JRC Joint Research Committee chairs have to do is to oversee our working groups, which is I think the most striking example of interdisciplinary research in Daria. So working groups is a bottom-up approach um, of creating uh, a working group based on a research or researchers' needs and interests. So uh, researchers come together to form these working groups, either to join existing ones or uh, if they see a gap to uh, uh, create a new one. And these groups are truly interdisciplinary. Uh, they have members from different career stages, from early career researchers to more senior researchers. Uh, different disciplines, different countries, different diverse, um, different uh, research experience and diverse interests. Um, at the moment, Daria has more than 20 working groups and um, it's, a, it's a truly um, amazing group of, of people um, that take part in, this, in these working groups. And um, last year we explored uh, an instrument of uh, bringing these working groups together um, spont more spontaneously um, in the form of community calls. So these community calls um, were something that the working groups could uh, on their own um, organize um, and was um, a way of coming together to exchange on topics that the working groups may have in, uh, may have in common or that they could lay further ground for collaboration. 
So usually the topic of a community call uh, came from the working groups themselves, uh, when there is an aspect of investigation or when they would like to share with fellow researchers, um, when they would like to seek input or feedback from a trusted research community. So they called these community calls to exchange uh, their research or um, problems that they are dealing uh, with, the, with their fellow researchers, uh, despite the fact that the topics were so diverse from legal and ethics uh, to women's writers to um, urban history, um, art and um, yeah, whatsoever. Um, so since we began, began with these community calls, we have seen an increase of spontaneous inter-working group collaborations. And I think working groups themselves realize that they're working on similar research questions, even from different angles. And the richness uh, brought by a different perspective can only enrich um, their own research field. So this is probably one of the most desirable outcomes of a research infrastructure, such as Daria, uh, whose mission is that of encouraging the arts and humanities research communities to share, collaborate, and evolve. Um, so I think this is what I had to say, um, and I'm open to your questions uh, later on. Thank you. Thank you very much, Elisa. Uh, thank you also, Daria, for sharing the links. And Elisa, if you could also meanwhile provide some links in the chat, that would be very helpful. Um, uh, and and thing I will just highlight from your from your talk this also this working group aspect where um, we have actually uh, working groups which are kind of. Uh, Mm, uh, structured around some really uh, interdisciplinary problems. So, I mean, so basically the, the, the take up of those problems requires already cooperation um, uh, of, 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 of different actors from different disciplines with different backgrounds. So, uh, so this is also like a way of, of streamlining that. So thanks for 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 dedicating time to mentioning it. Um, okay, so um, let us just move to the, uh, the last uh, research infrastructure for the day, which is uh, the operas and Arno. Will um, will provide us uh, um, with more detail about it and and, and its uh, work with its users. So Arno, the floor is yours. Yes, <clears throat> thank you. Hi everyone. Uh, yes, I will speak uh, probably mostly of the fair uh, aspects of uh, operas, like it was said in the presentation and the, the summary for the this session. And um, so probably mostly on the co-present aspect regarding the operative research infrastructure, it is also inter interdisciplinary uh, research infrastructure and Maciej uh, and his team uh, made a huge work, uh, huge work like the scientific case of opera. So I guess you will be able to give more details on the interdisciplinarity within operas. So for myself, I will, like I said, uh, focus on the fair principles and uh, I guess you, most of you have already heard about them. They are principles to, uh, <clears throat> that, that to ensure the wide uh, dissemination, interoperability and usability of the research data in a broad sense. So the FAIR, uh, FAIR <clears throat> is the acronym for findable, accessible, interoperable and reusable. And it's just a minimal uh, set of minimal technical requirements to ensure these principles uh, being achieved both for hu the humans and both for the machines. So these principles, findable, accessible, interoperable, and reusable, you can, they are meant as generic. And in that sense, they're by definition interdisciplinary. So what we did in the frame of uh, operas regarding the verification of the SSH at large uh, 
is uh, was precisely considering them as uh, potentially interdisciplinary. This is the main uh, one of the the main objectives actually of the fair principles. So uh, this is. Uh, we can say that interdisciplinarity is one of the objectives of the FAIR principles, and the question is how do you do that, especially in these uh, broad context of social sciences and humanities, which are very uh, uh, different from one another. So that's why <clears throat> I um, put as a title of my communication today uh, that we, in what we try to do, in what we are trying to do is between advocacy and engagement in the sense, advocacy in the sense that we want to uh, explain the, the, the fair principles uh, and to uh, advocate for their broader usage within the community because this is probably uh, where the future of social sciences and humanities is at stake in the sense that most of the research uh, now is moving towards the fair principles and especially the building of the European Open Science Cloud. We rely uh, in a great part on these fair principles and so far as they are providing this minimal uh, set of uh, technical requirements that ensure the dissemination of data. So this is one uh, of the things that we were focusing on, the advocacy, and then we need also to uh, facilitate the engagement uh, of the researchers. And here I was very interested to hear about what uh, Clown was doing with these uh, couple of people working in specific workshops. This is typically the kind of things that you want to achieve, that is to have researchers working with uh, service providers or uh, data uh, specialists and experts. So, uh, <clears throat> For that, um, so the, the main point here is precisely to try to cover the entire data creation workflow. And as uh, you know, so considering digital humanities, but more broadly the, the, the SSH, you have here um, various kind of challenges regarding the specificities of uh, DH and SSH at large. That is to say the difference between analog and digital data. The, difference also between uh, big data and small data, the data and the humanities being very often uh, very um, <clears throat> richly described, and uh, the, this is uh, a specificity also. You have also the difference between the, the empirical data, I mean the physical measurements for instance, and the, with respect to the personal data, which you can find very often in the SSH corpora. You have also the question, the legal questions between the difference of uh, information that is somehow open access and free data and the copyrights and authorships. And all these aspects that are specific to the digital humanities are not directly addressed by the FAIR principles which apply to data and apply intended in prospect mostly of the empirical science or STM, uh, whatever you call them. So these are the challenges that we try to, to address within uh, OPRAS with a specific uh, in, uh, project, which is part of the research infrastructure, the COPRAS um, project, like Masih uh, <coughs> uh, was saying before, it's an implementation network within GoFair focused on the verification of SSH data and publication. And with the objective, this is in, in that dimension that uh, OPRAS is also interdisciplinary in itself, it focuses on scholarly communication and as such covers all the disciplines of 
the SSH. And with this uh, specific prospect of covering the entire uh, life research life cycle, including the publication into this cycle, that is starting from the research of the, the search of data, then the analysis of data, and then the publication, which then comes back into the cycle as a potential research data uh, itself or the publication can <clears throat> be used to create a, a new corpus. So in uh, corpus, what we did to help this verification of SSH was acting mostly on the advocacy side, having uh, workshops with researchers and uh, uh, service providers and then data managers. And it was mostly the first level of information of what were the their principles that is the use of persistent identifier directionable by the machines and, and the humans again to use metadata standards and and also control vocabularies and all these kind of things but this to some extent is too uh, too generic and it requires to move to another level which was illustrated by the Clarence workshop for instance also the workshops of, of Daya and uh, and there is also the prospect that the, the objective of providing uh, specific tools to verify the SSH data and here it's more related to the services built by Opera specifically uh, the discovery tool triple which is a, a platform which is named triple which precisely gathers data from many sources and providing them according to a single data model with all the persistent identifiers and the main fair principles already implemented but this is i would say mostly on the side of opras or even copras but this is not directly uh, linked to the researchers and here the, the the question is how do you connect the data generation to and the data dissemination and uh, <clears throat> here uh, we found uh, one example provided by uh, one of the participants uh, to one of our workshops, which was uh, working on uh, historical data. And, uh, and uh, it was interesting. It was an interesting example of how uh, you can achieve uh, interdisciplinarity through the FAIR principles in the SSH. So here it was uh, historical data and the um, the, the, the work was uh, the, the objective of the researcher was to increase interoperability and reuse of historical data by using uh, specific tools, uh, <clears throat> ontologies, uh, more specifically, to uh, reorganize, to interpret, analyze, and uh, <clears throat> propose in a standardized way the, the, the historical data. So, precisely, it was interesting. <clears throat> because uh, on, the, on one hand, it was very close to the epistemological uh, context of history, and at the same time, it was using advanced uh, semantic uh, technologies and increasing the, 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 the validity of, of both, I would say. And just to, to tell you that, so the FAIR principles mainly focus on FAIR data and the notion of data itself uh, in, in the SSH is not that obvious. And in this specific case, they uh, used some work that were defining not only the sources and the data, but between the, the, both the sources, and it was using the concept of factoid, and I liked the word and like the, the concept, precisely the factoid is the, the 
um, mix of facts and information that you have to, uh, to separate to then have historical knowledge. And the good thing is that using ontologies, it was possible to somehow fragment the historical facts in, into, uh, into information on one side and <coughs> uh, interpretation on the other. And so this was a, an example. I could give you the link to the publication so that you can understand better what I was saying very, too, very quickly. But the <clears throat> this is the kind of example that uh, we, we would need uh, for, for the verification of SSH and the kind of example that we want to, to support. And the fact is that uh, about what we did for the interdisciplinarity in the framework. Corpus is first having these workshops with, where we could know about this initiative and about this researcher. And um, the researcher has now built uh, a community around this project of ontologies for history. And uh, we, we will support him with more uh, workshops. And what we hope is having more communities of this kind where you have advanced uh, usage of advanced tools for uh, verification that can Yes, lead the way for other communities. So this is what we did. I hope I wasn't too long, but I finished. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, Arnold, for for so for, for for highlighting this um, aspects uh, of um, of the data, which is like probably currently like the, the, the hottest topic in the uh, basically thinking about this uh, interdisciplinarity and thinking about our assets and resources, how we use them. Um, so thank you, uh, to, thanks to all panelists, and um, I, I will open the discussion and we'll just ask uh, other, the audience to, to post um, questions in the Q&A, using the Q&A button. We have one, uh, we just wait for a bit more. I'll just start with one question to all panelists and then uh, perhaps we'll pick up um, further um, questions from the audience. And one would be kind of a follow-up on, the, uh, on, the, um, on, on uh, what Arno was saying, but uh, with a small twist. So when we spoke today about, uh, um, about researchers we support or your infrastructure support or your um, researchers uh, present at the workshops you, you were mentioning, uh, we, we are mostly talking about, uh, I mean, I think usually uh, some people kind of um, proficient at least a bit with, um, with the digital methods or thinking of them as digital humanities or maybe not. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, how can we engage people who are either uh, kind of curious but don't uh, don't know much about um, uh, the other methods? How how we can engage them and encourage them to step beyond the boundaries of their um, their discipline? Um, I would just give one uh, one uh, example. Um, so, for instance, I was uh, recently conducting a workshop on uh, research data for literary scholars and and there was this big uh, difficulty for for some of the scholars to just to to admit they they really use really need to think about their assets as data or this fair principle but why why should i i, I use that so um how would you address uh, such concerns so i don't know who would like to 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 to, to take it or start hopefully some some of you daria elisa arno I'm happy to start. Um, I don't really have a robust solution for all these issues, right? But I think just uh, um, uh, having showcases ready um, that are maybe very similar in nature 
from the traditional non-digital non-digital type of research that is then upgraded or upgraded or boosted or transformed into the digital uh, mm -hmm. humanities type of research you can maybe show them and motivate uh, step by step why this is a, a good idea to start thinking about how you, your results can be more validated or how you can uh, save a lot of uh, time with manual analysis or whatever. So you, with really uh, good uh, showcases, I think you can argue your case pretty well. And then uh, I would divide uh, the other part of the answer into two parts. If we are dealing with more senior um, colleagues, then maybe uh, it is wise um, persuading them that this is a great idea to do, uh, while not really forcing them to change the paradigm, but at least when they mentor their students, they can say, aha, I've heard about this, go contact this and this person, he's an expert in this, so they can uh, act as ambassadors for digital humanities while not really uh, transitioning themselves. I think this is a reasonable uh, thing not to expect from exactly everyone. And for the junior people, um, I think we should do what we're already doing, both Clarin and Daria, and some uh, initiatives are also done together. Um, we should put uh, people in interdisciplinary groups and organize summer schools and digital um, hackathons, like the Digital Humanities Hackathon in Helsinki, for example, is a wonderful example where a historian with no background in Python or programming can show up and they will uh, participate in a group effort where they won't be blocked by not being able to do something, they will be helped by uh, uh, more computationally advanced colleagues, and then they can learn bit by bit, uh, learning by doing. And the next time they will maybe be motivated to be able to start already. So I think showcases, tutorials, training events uh, can really make a difference. But I don't think that we can uh, be impatient and move things along very quickly and convert everyone. I think this needs to be a mar marathon long term investment and being really proud of getting uh, a minority on board and at least starting the conversation. So setting the ground really, really solidly and then building on top of that as we go along. Thank you. Elisa, would you like to add something? Yes, yes. yes. Uh, I mm -hmm. totally agree with Daria and all her uh, very good points. I wanted to twist a bit the question, actually, and say that uh, a while back I was doing some research as part of the community engagement working group in terms of uh, was doing some interviews with researchers just to see to what extent their methods were digital or more traditional uh, humanities. And some of them were actually they could be called digital humanities, but because they did employ digital methods, but they couldn't identify themselves as such. So there's also a hesitation of more traditional humanities to actually identify themselves as the age, because to their minds, uh, this would mean a more advanced uh, technical background. So I, I think that um, researchers are becoming more the age or more digital in a sense, but they don't feel that much comfortable in identifying themselves as such. 
Um, and the second thing I want to add is that not everyone has to be a, a digital humanist because that's why interdisciplinary uh, exists and it's, uh, it, it, it's a goal. As long as they identify uh, the needs of a project or of a collaboration, and then they can, of course, go on and partner with a computer scientist or with someone with a more technical background to achieve um, the aim. So we don't have to do everything on our own uh, as long as we collaborate with different disciplines. Thank you. Uh, Arno, anything to add at this moment? Well, no, very quickly. No, I, I agree. And uh, we, we've seen, uh, especially in the fair uh, context, that, that it has to be progressive. And in fact, in some cases, and, and, uh, <clears throat> just in ensuring that the, 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 <clears throat> the main concepts are understood, it's already a, a huge step. But there is another aspect also, it's the, the the reward for the, those who take the, the, the actions. Uh, we, we had this uh, research and history in our workshops because of, of all the work that you have done uh, about uh, verifying increasing interoperability of data uh, um, hadn't been uh, rewarded until now. So in, there is also this uh, aspect to take into consideration. And I agree that the, the success stories, use cases uh, should, should be much more displayed and put into uh, in, in evidence. And this is one of the, the activities that we might want to achieve uh, within the year with uh, either a blog or journal dedicated to these aspects to reward the positive uh, outputs mm -hmm. of this kind of verification. Thank you, thank you very much, Arnaud. Um, so we, we will just move to the questions from uh, from uh, from the audience. We have like a quick question to Elisa about uh, the funding, but actually, I mean, it's a quick one, but it's, it's probably also could be elaborated with it in the, the different context, different infrastructure. But in this case, it's funding for working groups and sustaining them because it's also, I think, important factor. Once you have the this group, like what do you do to make it active, right, for longer term? Yeah. Thank you for the question, Irina. Um, so in terms of the working groups, uh, Daria has um, a funding call every uh, couple of years. So every two years, we have a working group funding call. Funding call. It's dedicated to the working group, so uh, it's not absorbed by any other uh, project initiatives. And its its aim is exactly to sustain them and to enforce them to uh, pursue their own projects. So we usually fund around to, depending on the on the budget we dedicate uh, to each funding call, but we manage to fund around maybe. Uh, six or seven uh, working group projects for uh, at least a year or a year and a half. Um, and then we have also the last um, funding call uh, ended up in a um, campaign which was called Working Group Stories. So you can see some of the results of, of that funding uh, in our news uh, section on the website. Um, and this is one of the ways that we're trying to fund and sustain uh, our working groups. In general, in terms of more support to this group, um, we do have um, a policy document that was published in 2019, I think, um, formalizing a bit the process of setting up a, a working group, uh, its um, timeline, and uh, if it's inactive for how long it's, it's okay to be inactive, or if we as Daria should intervene to um, uh, make it um, 
how, how we call it, like to put it into sleep uh, in a kind of way, so not to terminate it, but um, it becomes dormant. Um, and we support working groups also in terms of organizing their events, uh, hosting uh, their events on our uh, Zoom account uh, that we provide as uh, their infrastructure. Uh, we provide them blogs uh, for their uh, blogging activity, and uh, they're part of our, of course, communication campaigns as uh, in Daniel report, our Twitter campaigns and all that. So um, that's also one way that we uh, are supporting them. I mentioned the community calls, it's something that um, um, working groups are encouraged to organize themselves because this uh, leads to more collaborations between the working groups, but also even to some project proposals or funding proposals. Uh, some of the working groups, just to uh, finalize this question, because we have a lot, um, um, have managed to actually uh, get their own projects and funding. So starting from as a Daria working group, uh, they went, um, um, let's say bigger and they managed to uh, uh, get some project funding. Uh, for example, the artificial intelligence in music. Uh, there is a new project that just started the Horizon 2020 called Polyphonia, which is linked uh, to the research of that working group. So um, we support them in, uh, at first as part of the Daria network, but also to go further and to uh, get their own funding as well. Thank you, thank you very much. Uh, and so perhaps we, we just move to the questions, uh, other questions from the audience. And we, I see that more and more coming. Let's see if we manage to answer them all. There's this uh, kind, I think, like button or functionality. So if you're, uh, if some of you, if the audience wants to, you know, receive uh, the question, the answer to, to, to certain questions rather than the other. So please uh, um, uh, add your uh, thumbs up so we can prioritize the uh, uh, the queue um, uh, so um, so um, uh, first uh, um, we would just ask the question from uh, Zoe um, so Zoe perhaps you would like to uh, to ask them ask it yourself we can just turn the audio on for you uh, Francesca I think you can do that for us does it work no Apologies, sorry, could you just, I missed the name there. Uh, oh, this is Zoe, uh, the, the last participant, actually. Yeah. Unless she, yeah, hi. Uh, Zoe, if you want to ask the question yourself. Hi, uh, hi. thanks. Uh, really, really great to, to listen to you all um, and, and to really hear uh, a lot of the great work happening in the European context. I'm obviously uh, from uh, New Zealand and, and working in Canada. Um, but my question really is, is I'd love to hear from you all where you see uh, gaps or challenges or weaknesses in um, the current infrastructures that you all are developing and that you see developing in other places. Um, I, you know, I see one of the really key goals of infrastructure is uh, comprehensive coverage, right? We, we need to be supporting lots of different things in order to have robust infrastructure. Uh, so where do you see right now that there isn't tension or resources or funding going um, that you kind of see as in the long term uh, something that we do need to, to give focus to in this collective effort to create infrastructures. Thank you. Sorry, who, who would like to take it? Thanks for the question. I can start. Um, uh, so for example, um, in Claring, 
Um, we uh, are dealing with a big diversity in terms of the national consortia who are, who are members. Some are very, very advanced and some have only just joined recently or have, be, have joined a little while ago. But because of a lack of national funding of their own, they cannot um, um, come up to speed with the most advanced uh, member countries. So I would see a lot of potential in some uh, funding opportunities for, uh, for the national consortia to catch up so that there would be a more level playing field with all the members. This is uh, an important um, opportunity, uh, I would say. And in terms of what we already have available and what we should be doing better, um, with a little bit uh, more funding that is more outgoing, outreach oriented. Uh, we have really a lot of resources and a lot of tools for a number of languages. So English is not the best supported in Clarin. We really support many languages really well, but uh, the resources and the tools, they have been um, developed and um, hard, uh, uh, deposited with Clarin by uh, mostly computational linguists. The NLP community. And if we want the digital humanities scholars to take them up, I think we need to do a much better job to document uh, the, the resources and the tools and to provide uh, training materials so that the digital humanities scholars can learn how to use the existing resources and tools uh, available. So I think we have much more that exists uh, that is not really maximally reused. And this is uh, a gap that I think we can only fill with bigger, uh, more careful um, training and uh, outreach opportunities. Thank you. Um, anything to add, uh, Arno or Elisa? Uh, uh, please, Elisa. Please. <laughs> no, I will just uh, follow up on this uh, question of tools, uh, <clears throat> because so in all price we are focused on the uh, tools for scholarly communication, which can entail a lot of uh, different tools, but precisely here what we see is that in the, in the, there are a lot of tools available and a very difficult uh, uh, situation for the users which have to make uh, choices uh, of the tools and maybe building some kind of a workflow with different uh, different tools. And this is a complexity that has to be addressed by the research infrastructure. We are doing that currently in one of the working groups of OPRAS about tools precisely to try to uh, maintain with the community uh, up-to-date information about these tools, about the specific features and functionalities. So I guess it goes back a bit to what Daria was just uh, saying. And in fact, here, just to <clears throat> insist on this point about what is lacking is uh, the, the, so Opera's is a, a distributed infrastructure. The services are provided by different uh, different actors and members of the, of the consortium. The idea behind it is precisely to structure the, the community and to help the community itself to, to find what is the best way uh, for itself. And uh, the, the, this kind of work that we are doing uh, currently in Opera's to list the tool in a reasoned way is uh, and to maintain this list specifically because you have a list of tools for scholarly communication, but the work is done one year and two years later, and there's nobody more to maintain these tools. This is the kind of action that, that we can do. And then there is the other question of uh, connection with the tools used by the researcher outside and in scholarly communication publication. And this plays to what I was saying before about the 
the, the, the connection and the, about the connection between researchers and data managers. And here we see, we know that, that there are, regarding this time again verification, that there are uh, Clarion says that I are already operating the direction of FAIR. And we see at the uh, European level that <clears throat> the verification is taken in charge by various entities. It's DEOS, sometimes GoFAIR, sometimes RDA. I think it would be useful that all these uh, infrastructure for ESSH uh, coordinate together for uh, a common way to go towards verification of ESSH. Thank you. Uh, Elisa, anything to add? Um, just maybe my, my points are a bit different, but maybe they add to the whole discussion that uh, as, as the age infrastructure um, Recently, in our strategy days in Daria that happen, are happening uh, every January, we were discussing also uh, the role of, of DH infrastructure also in terms of uh, uh, dealing with uh, societal challenges. Um, so what's the position that we should take um, as humanities or DH um, in terms of coping with uh, societal challenges, especially all the issues that emerged uh, with the pandemic, but also um, exploring a bit partnerships outside the um, the usual bubble. So, for example, with private sector. So, I think these these are gaps that we are called also as infrastructures to deal with and investigate. Um, and it's it's adding maybe to the richness of our of our um, work and nature. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for 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 um, for, for those those thoughts. I've just moved to the because we are we have a pretty long list of. Uh, <laughs> questions right now and uh it just was this one from sue but i think sue sue, sue prefer not to uh to ask it in person so i'll just uh quick, quick quick question about the role of undergraduate pedagogy in this uh introduction of more widespread digital methods in the humanities uh, so um it's actually an important point how do you uh, get uh this uh undergraduate level kind of involved because we're talking a lot about uh, researchers learning from researchers from 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 others, but uh, how to do it like on the uh, let's say uh, the level of instruction. Of course, who's going to 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 give this instruction? And this also, I think, is a fairly valid point. So, uh, any volunteers to start, Elisa? Yeah. Just to say that it's it's a really good question, and I would need uh, backup from our training and education officer <laughs> to answer this. But I do agree that if if you want researchers to start being more digital, then you should start from undergraduate um, training and pedagogy. Um, unfortunately, this is not one of the aims we have so far. Uh, so our, our training platform, Daria Campus, is more on. Um, focusing uh, on researchers or in um, lifelong learning, let's say, uh, but it's a good point that I can take on uh, back to my team. Yeah, Daria, go ahead. What I would recommend is to learn from the disciplines uh, that have already successfully transitioned to research infrastructure uh, informed way of teaching already at the BA level. For example, corpus linguistics is one definitely one such discipline where you no longer teach uh, regular language courses without mentioning corpora, using corpora, showing the benefits of corpora, and then the, the seminars or uh, mini projects that students do are already done in this uh, flavor. So maybe it would be worthwhile uh, to learn from more advanced or more mature uh, disciplines. 
Thank you. Arno, anything to add here on the undergraduate? No, I agree <laughs> with what was just said. Yeah. In fact, it's an important question. Yeah, and also I, I would just add to 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 that what what you um, you all mentioned that uh, all the infrastructures also have those kind of train the trainers activities, meaning that uh, we basically want we also sometimes you know there there are like really curious undergraduates, but they don't uh, have um, the teachers who can who can um, uh, teach them. Uh, yes, uh, Daria. I just wanted to say that I think we are operating in an environment where there's a lot of things going on and some mm -hmm. are really new and experimental and I don't think we should aim to um, introduce everything to undergraduate level of courses right but there are some mature here to stay uh, technologies approaches met methodologies resources and and the ones for example like in corpus linguistics as soon as you have robust user-friendly concordancers then you can easily incorporate them in in a classroom setting so for the I think you you need to identify the mature uh, approaches uh, and then you need to really work on user uh, user friendly interfaces uh, something that uh, even um, no, new students or new users can easily adopt and this is where i think the success lies thank you um so uh we have one um one question about the out-of-the-box collaborations from Lisa. Lisa, would you mind asking it uh, yourself? Uh, hello. Hi. Uh, yeah, so uh, I have a background in criminology and I'm currently enrolled in this two humanities. But however, like during your lectures, I noticed that a lot is specifically targeted at arts, etc. I wonder what is your opinion about including these more out-of-the-box disciplines within digital humanities and where they could interact or interdisciplinary research as possible. So do collaboration with unusual suspects, right? Daria. I think these are the, the most fun uh, and potentially impactful kinds of collaborations. So I think we should be supporting them as much as possible. Uh, and for, uh, I think, criminology, uh, at least linguistics uh, is already collaborating uh, with this discipline, um, with uh, for forensic linguistics approaches, um, as well as in computational linguistics, there's a lot of now uh, machine learning and data analytics approaches um, on, for example, um, uh, judiciary decisions. They are trying to automatically learn or predict uh, on a case what a judge would decide, and they're apparently already doing really well and seem to be more reliable than sometimes human judges. Uh, of course, this brings a lot of ethical questions uh, on board as well. But I think that uh, collaboration with criminology, at least with language data scientists, has already uh, started and uh, shown quite a lot of methodological progress. Thank you, Elisa. Yes, just to add here that uh, the fact that there hasn't been uh, such a collaboration yet doesn't mean that we won't support it. We would be very actually eager to have such a collaboration because it sounds, as, as Daria said, it's more fun uh, to uh, go on and collaborate with uh, disciplines outside of the usual uh, box. And as long as there is like a bold or innovative uh, idea, then of course, um, the age is up to collaborate with every discipline. We recently had the Daria theme um, funding call in 2020. Um, and uh, one stream of that funding had to do with COVID. And um, 
in that call we received lots of different um, uh, research ideas. So we didn't fund uh, entirely humanities or arts. Uh, we are open, if we receive like a good idea, we're open to collaborate with every discipline. So uh, thank you for your question. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, no, I just mentioned quickly that <clears throat> in Opreas we are building currently this service in the, uh, called Research for Society, and it's uh, already uh, actually a uh, um, project that just started uh, last month, if I'm not mistaken. So, the Research for Society project precisely we put together researchers and members of the civil uh, society, uh, <clears throat> associations, uh, journalists to, to work on very new kind of uh, objects sometimes also with uh, uh, related question, questions related to uh, the, the one asked by the, the discipline uh, previously mentioned because uh, some of the projects are related with the management of information on um, uh, goods taken to the Italian mafia for instance where you have here um, protection security issue and the management of the data so this uh, enters for us this project research society enters in the broader context of citizen science and in fact we are very much interested in uh, in all these prospects we put the link uh, to the research society project yeah. when I find it Two thanks. Yes, it's again inspiring. It's also like all those examples you mentioned and, and those 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 um, instances. Like it's also like a challenging. It's like you know like because it's it also involves like kind of a bit of path making here, and 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 new um interesting um issues to be to be taken into consideration. Um. So we we do have like one uh, still one unanswered question, but it's pretty specific in the. Uh, Q and A uh, window, um, which uh, which involves the the use or, or the methodologies for um, for um, the social media media analysis. So I would just suggest that uh, um, Daria or Edisa or, or Arno, if you know any such initiatives within your circles, if you could just type the answer for that, because we're we're shortly running out of time. So we would have time one for just one question. So Dren, could you could you address your could you just ask your question because I know that you have one. Oh, thank you very much. Um, yeah, thanks everybody for really interesting um, talks and it's really, I think, reinforced a lot of things that we've found in Shape ID, particularly about the need for really long-term commitment and capacity building to support uh, interdisciplinary research. So I, I don't know if this is a slightly uh, left of field question, but based on your experience of training and building capacity for researchers, is there any advice that you could give to uh, people trying to do that in, say, a university context? So people who would like to support researchers, um, you know, in, in building capacity for interdisciplinary research, what kind of things have you found to be successful in, in supporting those efforts um, from your research infrastructures? Who would like to go first? Um, maybe I can I can give an example that was actually the uh, the example in my in my presentation as well that we found that interdisciplinary research happens um, in within working groups so for example if you set up a working group on a topic that um, brings together different disciplines either from a more technical computer background or from a more policy or open science or uh, legal uh, background um, you get a group that is truly interdisciplinary and um, learns to um, work with each other and comes to a, a result. So I would say that one way of doing it is um, 
getting these people together from diverse backgrounds to work on a specific uh, topic or subject um, as, a, as part of a working group or um, reading group or whatever. And um, if you give them a research task, then they learn by doing to work interdisciplinary. Thank you. Yes, I would go in the same direction. So I've spoken a lot about the FAIR principles, but actually I don't think they are the good solution here to ensure the interdisciplinarity, even if technically they allow for that. But I think that the most important thing is not the, the technical layer, let's say, but the scientific object, and specifically to, to have an example of potential reuse, of actual reuse, that would bring more people to do interdisciplinarity. You have, for instance, in France, uh, after uh, <coughs> the, 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 the project uh, the Notre Dame de Paris was burned out, you had a specific project which was interdisciplinary, which uh, historians uh, and uh, empirical scientists could work together on the same data, but in different kind of prospects. Maybe these are the example where you have a scientific object which can be uh, adopted, which can be analyzed by different kinds of disciplines. I think this is uh, much more useful than just the generic firm principles interdisciplinarity. Thank you. Thank you. And I would say that um, you, I think uh, you need to, as a, as a research infrastructure, I think you need to really proactively create opportunities for interdisciplinary collaboration. They won't just happen or they will just happen, but this will be just a few cases. But I think we need to proactively create opportunities, really listen to disciplines that are more different to yours, what it is that they need that they struggle with because it's harder to understand their needs than you might think initially. Um, and uh, I also think that uh, these opportunities should be low risk. You shouldn't have high expectations and consider something a failure if it doesn't come in research results that is 2% better than a state of the art or something like this, but you should promote something in a low risk uh, setting. Um, I think you should also make sure that uh, your resources are well formatted, well encoded and really well described so that uh, researchers from a different um, discipline can also use them, that they can understand them. Um, they can also contribute to them. Um, and I would also say that knowledge transfer is really important across uh, communities. So to identify some sort of ambassadors or experts who are able to uh, communicate with different uh, disciplines and can um, transfer or teach the, how to take the core of some uh, other discipline into a new discipline. I think you need experts for that, like ambassadors or trainers. Thank you so much. And we are slowly running, running out of time. So that would be uh, the um, just, just a quick time for like the, the last, let's say, uh, closing statement sentences from you. So if I just ask you, uh, like, just summing up our discussion today, um, if from your perspective, what would be like just this most important thing you would uh, you would uh, like to uh, highlight as potentially um, helpful for for establishing this uh, interdisciplinary collaboration uh, for others who would like who are like kind of uh, uh, trying to 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 foster such work. So, what's the most important one? 
And this is a difficult maybe, question. Maybe I can start. I like what Daria said that we should, as infrastructures, proactively create opportunities for inter interdisciplinarity. So I think that's a, a very good takeaway message because sometimes we just expect things to happen, but it's good to practically have this in mind and uh, pursue them. And for, for our audience or for researchers' side, I would say that don't be afraid to um, um, contact uh, people from other disciplines uh, mm -hmm. if you have any research problems or any research ideas that you can't do on your own because that's where interdisciplinary um, inter interdisciplinarity happens so i would say be bold and um yeah just just try try to collaborate with other, with other disciplines it's it's only uh, it only adds to your own research thank you arno daria would like to uh, yeah. i Yes, um, yes. I wanted to to, to 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 repeat what I maybe said before. I think, in fact, we should also provide these researchers with a specific place, a communication place, where they can <coughs> precisely uh, show the display their their own interdisciplinary research, interdisciplinary research, and <coughs> uh, and also then having also the reward of being recognized by other researchers and for that. Uh, so yes, it's about creating collaboration between the projects, but also creating a specific space for these interdisciplinary exchanges to happen. Yeah, and I think my answer would be very similar to both Arnold and Elisa's. I think that uh, we should also be aware or pay attention to the fact that interdisciplinary communication, uh, sorry, uh, collaboration can uh, increase the value of existing uh, research infrastructures. For example, a data set that uh, has been developed for a, a particular discipline can really boost the value of a research in infrastructure if, if it is adopted uh, by a community from a different discipline. So you, you already invested all your efforts in building a data set, but now it's going to be uh, reused by some other community and they're going to um, uh, benefit not just themselves, but they're also going to add value to your uh, community. And uh, real research break breakthroughs, I think, happen from collaboration of not like-minded people, but differently-minded people. So I would also motivate researchers to really um, enter this path um, because there's more opportunities and more surprising results that they can uh, come across. Thanks, and I think it feels like a really great uh, summing up. So this resistance for of disciplines kind of creates a great opportunity, actually, for for collaboration, for the great, uh, uh, great um, work to be um, to be fostered. Um, thank you so much uh, to to all the panelists for for being here and and for for taking your time and, and answering all our questions. Thank you very much to the audience uh, for uh, for for submitting questions and for being here with us. I will just remind you that uh, there's this last webinar coming next month on uh, um, a transdisciplinary dialogue. So it will be basically perfect per perspective of uh, collaborating with societal and industry partners. So for more details, visit our Shape ID website and register. Um, so, uh, and I see that Duran gave us the, gave the link into the chat for our website, for our social media. So please follow Shape ID if you feel, if you're interested in our Work. So, um, thank you very much once again, and uh, have a great afternoon, everyone. And, 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 and.
The Hub is a community. Manuscript, book and print cultures, stamping provenance Languages towards the history of the Time of Year Library. As well as being heard. The Hub is a space. Contemplating Ireland through the communities this created by Coral The Hub is about impact. The Hub is for everyone. Here's to the next 10 years.